0: This is a Smarter World podcast focusing on technology and issues behind today's connected world. I'm host Nitin Dahad, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded.com and correspondent with EE Times. In this episode, we'll talk about the third installment of the Hover Games and how drones and rovers can make our food ecosystem more sustainable. Today, I'm joined by Ian Galloway, Mobile Robotics Engineer at NXP Semiconductor, and Richard Fix, Product Portfolio Manager at Bosch Sensitive. Welcome, thanks for joining.
1: Great, good to be here.
0: Hi, Newton. So I'm going to turn first to Ian. Let's dive straight into it. There are going to be listeners who haven't heard of the hover games before. Could you briefly tell us what the Hover Games are about and what's new this year?
1: So Hover Games is a really interesting competition. It started being focused on mobile robotics drone, and in particular, a reference platform that NXP has called the Hover Games drone, which allows people to program and perform autonomy on this type of platform. And so even though it's a small drone, it's a fully open source platform that lets people get creative and do autonomous tasks Really, it's intended both as an introduction into this whole ecosystem, which is uh, operating under Linux Foundation drone code, PF4 flight stack, and also the world of sensors and robotics and fusing the two. This is Game 3, so we've had two beforehand. And at this point, what we're doing is, I think, a big step up in its capabilities. And we're amazed at what everyone comes up with in the Hover Games in terms of their project. So it's for engineers, programmers, developers, university students join. It's really quite an open competition and we try not to constrain it too much. give the general themes of what we want to see happen and that go from there. So
0: you don't have to be a student. It could be anybody in any course of their career.
1: That's right. In fact, it's not student-specific. We have people working at companies. They're engineers in large companies or they're startups that are even working in the field, as well as students or programmers that are just interested in the area. We're showing that there's applications of these small vehicles that are really innovative that pop out of the projects that are presented. So you do have to apply to be accepted for Hover Games, and then when you apply or pass that, then you get highly discounted hardware and uh, continue on from there.
0: Let's move to the challenges. The first two challenges focused on fighting fires with flyers and helping others during pandemics. This time, it's all about sustainable food ecosystems. Can you tell us how it's come to that? We
1: were quite excited with the first two challenges and noticed the type of solutions that came out of these things. So fighting fires with fire, one of the results stuck in my mind were where people did amazing things with lightweight hardware. We're talking about drone platform that's several hundred dollars, not thousands and thousands of dollars. They were able to use it or amplify its capability by taking advantage of the low-cost chart. For example, developing a heat map using a very low-cost sensor. And then helping out it during pandemics was involved with how can we use drones for betterment, for good in a situation that's not so good. And we like to continue on that theme in terms of sustainability goals and helping others. The title for Cover Game 3 is about sustainable food ecosystems, and it's a little bit awkward in that We don't want to pigeonhole it to be agriculture. It could be helping in the rainforest. It could be something to do with developing a test kit to farmers or soil test kits that help determine the insect loading in a certain area. So the trick we have is to get the theme in place that lets the participants be very creative and come up with an innovative example. And in fact, this year with Hover Games 3, we're introducing the ability to use a buggy as well, or instead of the drone, because some people do have challenges flying a drone. So that lends itself to things like driving a buggy through tomato crops and checking for insects. And an example of where the really exciting innovative work happens is where you can scale up a small solution, a several hundred dollar platform And maybe it's able to identify one thing at a time, one bug on a plant or a wilt on a leaf or something like that. But with a low-cost product, like a drone or a rover, there's no reason you can't have 100 of them in the field at the same time and doing it 24-7. And all of a sudden, even though it's only doing one little task at a certain case, you can scale it up immensely and all of a sudden have an acre and acres of land being covered or lots and lots of animals being managed or tracked. So there's a lot of opportunity here. The third thing we're including with this year's Power Game 3 is a new AI platform and an edge compute platform called NavQ+. And that allows us to really step it up a notch in terms of the capability because we've got a, you know, Linux companion computer or applications coprocessor. processor with vision capability, with network connections on board, such as CAN and Ethernet, and itself, it has its own AI accelerator on board for more advanced tasks, like digit processing or identifying a tomato on a plant or uh, trees that are in bloom. So there's a new push here with this particular challenge in, into the world of AI. And we were happy to conclude Bosch SensorTech in this year's challenge as well. We're happy they're joining us.
0: Richard, this is the first time that uh, Bosch SensorTech is joining the Hover Games? Tell us a little bit more about your motivation to join and contribution to the competition?
2: Absolutely. First of all, we are excited to to participate in this year's Hoover Games and also to support it as a partner. Bosch SensorTech sensors are known very well to support functions like gaming in mobile devices, to stabilize camera systems, to have a good picture. But in fact, here we see the competition also as a great opportunity to tackle, let's call it real-world problems. And that's not the first time for Bosch SensorTech. Another example is that our gas sensors are used to detect wildfires very early, which has also been the first and challenge, as you already mentioned, fighting viruses, flyers. So that's one example for real world happens. And of course, supplying the world with food is in fact a significant problem and we would like to contribute here. The important aspect here is that if you want really to solve such problems, you need to have innovative solutions where, where you can use cutting edge technology in order to address social and environmental problems. So this is the motivation actually, and with respect to the contribution, it's twofold from our side. On the one hand, we have the special Bosch Tech Sustainability Award. And on the other hand, we provide really smart sensing solutions with cutting edge technology.
0: Tell us a little more about the special award that participants can win.
2: For sure. The motivation behind as the name is already telling it, it's the sustainability award, is to show that innovation is really a driving factor in the fight against global topics like climate change and also for a more sustainable future. Yeah. And and this is also why we decided that the award shall go to the team with the most convincing sensor-based solution which really pursues sustainability goals. And the winner of the prize will be rewarded with a 500 euros voucher for the Arduino official store. And, and we are really excited that our sensors are being in action for this and to see how they can help to tackle the challenge this year.
0: Elaborating a little bit on your involvement, Richard, what hardware and software are you offering for the competition can be used for the sensor-based solutions
2: yeah it's really in fact a combination of hardware and software so on the hardware side of course we have our integrated imu which is used but the major part is the is the bme 688 which is an environmental sensor combining temperature pressure humidity and gas measurements in a tiny package so this is a sensor which is already used to monitor for instance air quality or to identify specific gases to give warnings in under certain conditions and which has many other applications. And, and this is the hardware part, but there is also a software part. So there is the BME AI studio software, which can be used to, as the name already says, you can train the sensor on specific applications. So for instance, I'm talking about a gas sensor, but also using temperature, pressure, and humidity data. And in the example I mentioned initially, you can train the sensor to specifically detect fire and and especially in the smoldering phase, so very early. So this is one example how the sensor can be trained with software on a specific application. I think this gives a, a huge opportunity to the challenge to use the combination of hardware and AI-based software to train the sensor on specific important topics actually in producing food. So this is why I'm pretty confident that this will be a significant contribution and I'm really looking forward to the solutions which will be worked out.
0: You gave an examples for the fire. Can you give us an example for the food ecosystem where you can use this hardware and software combination?
2: Yeah, absolutely. What could be a very close solution is to use not only one sensor, but to use a kind of a sensor network of the mentioned sensors in fields. First of all, to monitor the growth process for many different fruits, for instance, it's known that there are certain gases emitted, which give an indication about the ripeness of the specific food. And this is something which can be monitored. So it means, first of all, you can monitor that everything is, is growing well, actually. Secondly, you can also use the sensor network to identify if there might be specific unusual situations in certain areas of the fields. And the cool thing is, if you combine that with the AI Studio server software, the server can continuously collect the data from all the sensors in the field, from the sensor network, you can even retrain the algorithms to improve the performance. You can train your sensor system on the local conditions on the field. Yeah, so it means that you, you will get a very early indication if something might not develop as it is expected or as it would be usual. And then, for instance, you can use that to send a drone to that location and to do a much more local analysis of what might be the reason. So, all in all, you can use the sensors in a sensor network to ensure that you will have the expected. Growth and the earnings from from the food production.
0: A really good example, and the point Richard made earlier, the whole sort of farm to fork ecosystem. So it could be uh, monitoring to make sure there's no food waste in the logistics, for example.
2: Our sensors are already used today. So for instance, sensors like the BME 688 are being designed into fridges to detect if food gets spoiled. So means at the end of the process, the the sensors are already used, let's say in consumer products, of course, during the whole process until the food gets to your fork, as you said. Um, you can, of course, also use the sensors to monitor that food does not get spoiled, and this is about a very large amount of the same food. So if you detect yeah. that very early, you can make sure that you just use a very small part mm. of the food you are going to transport, for instance. Yeah. So answer is clearly yes. The sensor can fully bring benefits in, in the whole process until you have the food on your plate.
0: Sounds like the Bosch Sensitive Sensors will enable participants to develop fascinating use cases. Besides the Bosch Sensatec sensors, how does the developer kit differ from the previous ones?
1: So we've expanded the kit quite a bit this year, and I think the main theme we could say is AI at the edge. The uh, whole idea of moving these kinds of capabilities out to the edge means you can take power, you can, you know, you multiply the processing capability, and you're running at a much lower date. For example, as Richard mentioned, a sensor network that gets augmented by a vehicle that's able to go out to that area and then do more advanced processing in a specific area. So with this year's hardware, a new development board we prepared called NavQ Plus, and that's an iMX8M Plus processor from NXP is the part of that, which includes also an NPU on board, a neural net processing unit about 4.4 top. So there's different levels of capability with each of these types of processors. So the AI and the sensor that's able to operate at a certain level and a certain power budget, and then you can go up another step and now we can do vision processing, for example, or take in multiple streams of data simultaneously and, and look at a larger neural net processing capability. So with that, we can do, for example, camera processing, vision processing, where you may look at the leaves of a crop over time or in a particular area to determine, again, whether healthy or has to some kind of disease or pest. You can also, of course, bring in other types of time division data and, and look for things like, let's go back to the more engineering side of it, vibration in a propeller indicating that a uh, bearing is starting to go, for example, or that there's a nick in a propeller. Those are kind of analysis that can also take place. But with the addition of this Linux-based companion computer, we've got a demonstrator Ubuntu image running ROS2, and we've got all the tools within ROS2 to really build quite a robust robotic system. And I think it's important that people realize, sometimes I get this comment when I'm walking down the hall with a small drone and said, oh, you're having fun playing with the toys. They're not toys. They are real robots, and this, all of this hardware that's on board scale to the smallest cost-sensitive embedded sensor network to very large vehicles that are out doing autonomous driving on the road. And so the key thing with the hardware we're providing is that it's scalable that way and it does incorporate all the same CAN buses or CAN-FD buses that are being used on autonomous vehicles. And a two-wire automotive ethernet is on board. And same secure elements that are used in passports and and credit cards can be used to indicate that the pilot is allowed or authorized to fly in this area. So there's a lot of real-world technology in a very small package. And the the next big thing we've introduced here is the ability to use a buggy as an alternative to a drone. We know that in certain parts it's challenging to fly, and there's just as much that can be done on the ground as can be here. Different approach, but driving through windrows of crops or transporting across the desert or something like that it can be done by ground as well as by air.
0: Before we close, let would like to offer each of you the opportunity to give some advice to participants. First of all, it's about having a good idea how you can really
2: contribute to improve the situation. When it comes to using our sensors, the, my advice is one of the first steps. Just download the BME AI Studio software and play around with it because it's very easy to be used. It also gives you a lot of ideas with examples in the documentation, how you can use it. And I think that's a very good starting condition. I think everything else is is pretty clear to the teams which will apply to participate Mm -hmm. in the challenge. And usually they are very well aware about how to combine hardware and software to come to a solution. But of course, gas sensing is a very special topic. But I think with our AI Studio software, we made it as easy as possible to combine here new sensors with the power of artificial
0: intelligence. You know, that's quite important because the ability to play with software to understand something you're capable of then gives you the ability to have confidence to implement ideas as well. Ian, finally, to you, any advice?
1: My advice is to participate and not be intimidated by the scope of things. The concept here is to get as close as possible to a working system, but proof of concept, talk about how something could be scaled. Maybe you only have access to one of these, but it would scale well to a thousand of these. Don't be intimidated by the size and scope and thinking that everything has to be perfect. As we mentioned, it's about the idea. It's about how well you present it and document it, and then working with the software and try to, and learning something along the way, getting familiar with AI Studio from Bosch or our software EIQ for the Q Plus, there's a lot of areas that you can focus on and a lot of things you can learn within the competition.
0: Ian and Richard, thank you very much. That was a Smarter World Podcast. I'm Nitin Darhut, thanks for listening and see you next time.